0: What we, we, as a society, perhaps, kind of wanted to see with Markov is the kind of societal imposed revenge. You know, he wasn't in Massachusetts. They don't have the death penalty. So that was, wasn't necessarily going to be on the table for him. But some ability for society to take vengeance on this man, to punish this man, was denied from society when he took matters into his own hands.
1: This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. This is Bob Ambroji coming to you from
3: Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out called How to Get Sued.
2: And I write a blog called Law Sites and another one called Media Law. And uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors for this week's program, Sun Trust, a company that offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and law firms, where you can find out more about them at suntrust.com. And also, Clio, the web-based practice management solution available at goclio.com. Well, Craig, the uh, the suicide this week of a medical student in a Boston jail uh, who had been accused of first-degree murder in a case uh, in which he came to be called the Craigslist killer has raised a number of interesting questions and and comments about the situation. Philip Markoff, a second-year Boston University Medical S- School student, was arrested in April and charged with the fatal shooting of 25-year-old Jalissa Brisman in a Boston hotel. She had advertised as a masseuse on Craigslist. Uh, Markoff was also accused of robbing another woman at another Boston hotel uh, who was held at uh, gunpoint and bound. And he also faced charges in uh, a similar incident in Rhode Island. At the time of his arrest, Markov was engaged to be married. His arrest uh, came as a shock to family and friends.
3: And Bob Markov was discovered dead in his jail cell this weekend with a plastic bag over his head, and he reportedly used sharpened metal to slash major arteries in his ankles, legs, and neck. According to the Boston Globe, he wrote his fiance's name, Megan, in his own blood on the wall. According to ABC News, Markov had created a shrine of his fiance's photos in his cell out of sight of guards. Markov, who was 24, allegedly killed himself on what would have been the one year anniversary of his wedding. His former fiance, who once proclaimed Markov's innocence, had broken off the engagement after he was arrested. He had been scheduled to face trial next March. Well,
2: all of this has raised a a number of legal issues uh, about the safety of inmates, uh, particularly those such as Markov, who had tried to kill himself twice before. Uh, And uh, in an interesting blog post by one of our guests, uh, law professor Doug Berman, uh, sparked uh, an online conversation that uh, is also uh, worthy of conversation. Uh, Professor Berman wrote... uh, a post about this on his blog in which he asked the question, should we be pleased or frustrated when an accused murderer commits suicide while in custody? We're going to discuss all of these issues with our guests, uh, and uh, let me introduce uh, them starting with Professor Doug Berman. Uh, Doug is a professor at Moritz College of Law at Ohio State University. Uh, he teaches criminal sentencing criminal law and procedure. He graduated magna cum laude from Harvard Law and he's the recipient of many awards. He writes the very well known and very popular Sentencing Law and Policy blog, which is at sentencing.typepad.com. Uh, his blog was the first to be cited by the U.S. Supreme Court. Welcome to the show, uh, Doug Berman.
4: Thanks for having me.
3: Well, and also today, Bob is joining us. He's the editor of Above the Law at AboveTheLaw.com, who's Ellie Mistal, and he's a former litigator at Du and Plimpton, a large global law firm based in New York, but as his bio says, he quit the legal profession. Mistal received his J D from Harvard Law School and has commented this past week in his blog about the Markov suicide. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Thanks for having me. We'd also like to welcome Leslie Walker. She is an attorney and the executive director of Prisoners Legal Services in Boston. PLS provides civil legal advocacy for indigent Massachusetts prisoners. Welcome to the show, Leslie.
5: Thanks for having me.
3: Well, so far, Philip Markoff's death has been ruled as a suicide, and uh, was this case has become known not only in Boston, but across the country. It's raised the case's notoriety. Many experts say that the news of his suicide is no surprise. Um, so, uh, Ellie, let's start with you. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think that this really exposes um, uh, one of our uh, w- one really critical issue of justice, and that is that justice is not necessarily served simply by the death of the criminal. Um, I think that that as we see in this case, there are a lot of people that are that are unsatisfied um, with the outcome of this case because uh, Markov took his own life, um, and I think that through that we can see that that simple death um, is for for us as a society not really enough to achieve um, what what we would um, probably debate is called justice, but 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 whatever kind of you know overall version of justice that we have, simple death isn't really getting us there.
2: We want to hear from all of you on this, of course, but but, but, Doug, you you wrote uh, this, this somewhat, uh, maybe you didn't mean it to be provocative, but it certainly uh, seemed to provoke some discussion, uh post about this in which you said, uh, assuming Markov was guilty, uh, quote, my first reaction here is to be pleased. By killing himself, Markov saved a lot of time, money, and energy for those who would be tasked with prosecuting and defending him. And the family of his victim would, I hope, get some measure of closure from Markov's death. What's the reaction been to that?
4: Uh, well, the reaction's been uh, significant, which I think confirms what, what Ellie was saying about it's not just about results, or at least many people's instincts, whether it's this case in particular or the concept of justice more generally, uh, goes far past just results. In fact, that's itself one of the reasons why I was driven to to write this post and, and perhaps may have you know provoked more than I expected uh, in that... I have a tendency, maybe this is because I focus on sentencing, maybe because this, I, I spend too much time looking at sentencing data, uh, to be very, you might say, results oriented That's obviously a term that's discussed in judging context as, as a bad thing. And I think at some level, these these stories connect that there is a very strong belief. Uh, I don't know if it's a uniquely American belief. I don't know if it's a uniquely... Uh, you know, kind of adversarial justice view, but that uh, justice requires uh, a lot of process or is, is fulfilled through process. And that results, uh though obviously very important, uh, may in some sense be secondary. Uh, and that's what I think this case led me to be sort of pondering in my own heart and mind. Gee, this is a result that, again, assuming uh, Mr. Markoff was guilty, Uh, would seem, from a pure results perspective, to be, if not the most effective, certainly the most efficient way uh, to an outcome that probably many people, at least in their gut, would think would be a right response to the kind of death we have here. On top of that, and this is the last piece of it, at least from the defendant's perspective, presumably he was his choice to commit suicide, it was something he was interested in, putting mental illness issues aside would seem to be here, uh, you know, he had the opportunity to sort of choose the process through which he achieved, you know, his own goals, whatever those might be in a perverse way. And so it's not just a story about results versus process. What drew me to this story and led to my comments is if we believe in a very defendant-centric vision of what's an important process, we also might be satisfied here because he chose this process and a lot of the comments I've received positive and negative, have included statements by people like, you know, I respect and support the right of inmates to commit suicide. So then the question becomes, if we like the results from a cold-hearted utilitarian way, and we like the process from kind of a defendant-focused perspective, why should this make us unhappy? And yet I think it does, and I think a lot of people at the very least say they're sad. And for me, particularly as a professor, getting ready to teach first-year criminal law theory to incoming students, it seemed like a very good case to explore sort of feelings and judgments about these issues.
3: Well, Leslie, is it really the fact that, that uh, we just didn't get to a closure uh, that's frust- that people are expressing as their, their means of frustration here?
4: No,
5: I, I don't think it is. I think um, the media and the general public were at some level looking forward to a replay of the gory details um, that led to Mr. Markov's arrest. Um, I always, as a good lawyer, as we all are, try and put myself in the shoes of the victim's family, and they um, may very well have been looking forward on some level to um, watching him in the courtroom, if nothing else. I don't know if he would have testified or not. um, To try and get a sense of how this crime could have occurred, what made this person tick, grappling with the loss of their daughter that may have provided them with some comfort and it certainly would have provided the media um, with um, a lot to watch for probably several weeks. But I think um, the discussion of being result-oriented clinically makes it a clinical... I mean, it makes it clinically okay, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, no one knows what went on in Philip Markov's. Mind, Uh, Perhaps he spoke to his parents or his attorney before he killed himself. Um, Someone locked in a jail cell awaiting first-degree murder charges at his age and with his level of understanding what's going on and his likely fear of the future, um, I think, should have been protected. Um, I think people who have free will and are in the free world should do whatever they wish. Uh, with their bodies. However, someone um, as vulnerable as he was, um, I'm not celebrating his death um, in any way as a cost savings or a short circuit of of any way. Um, He had his whole life ahead of him, even if it was a grim-looking one. Um, He could, and I've seen this happen in my 25 years of practice over time. become someone that other prisoners looked up to, that his family could visit, um, and that ideally his victim's family could have some contact with in a restorative justice model and try to um, resolve the horrors of, of losing a child.
2: But, you know, all this talk about results uh, almost sounds more like business school than law school to me, uh, in, in terms of this, this case. Uh, I mean, Ellie, what's, what's, uh, you wrote about this at, at Above the Law. What's been the reaction from your readers? What are you hearing?
4: Well, you
0: know, one of the things that I think that we do miss when we talk a little bit about results is that we miss, you know, one result that society was denied. And that is the, that is the revenge motive. Um, now, you know, just to get my biases out of the way, like, I, I happen to be kind of virulently anti-death penalty. But, you know, as a lot of my readers have pointed out, the, uh, people die all the time. And people die all the time in, in, in various ways um, for various reasons. What we, we, as a society, perhaps, kind of wanted to see with Markov is the kind of societal imposed revenge. You know, he wasn't in Massachusetts, they don't have the death penalty, so that was, wasn't necessarily going to be on the table for him but some ability for society to take vengeance on this man to punish this man was denied from society when he took matters into his own hands and i think that is something that a lot of the readers that that have been uh, commenting both on my post and just talking to me personally that's something that, that, that there's a feeling of that that we have missed this op- or been denied this opportunity to truly punish this man who uh took to who who you know, kind of didn't play by the social rules, and and took a, and willingly uh, took a life of another person. And you know, for for what it's worth, I mean, it's not that you know, revenge is not necessarily our you know, it's not necessarily a pretty emotion. Uh, it's not necessarily a intellectually comfortable emotion. But it's undeniable that revenge is a
4: factor in how we meter out justice in this country. Oh, and I, I think. Both of the prior comments, you know, raised some very interesting points. And again, this is me being an academic who can issue spots without coming to resolution, but <laughs> telling that this is an interesting setting to do so. Um, you know, that, that, uh, not just that re- revenge is a dish best served cold, but it has many, many flavors, right? I think for some, uh, the, the notion of revenge or, or what they wanted as satisfaction would be, uh, not just, uh, Uh, some form of justice imposed by the state, whatever that might be termed as, but also uh, going through the process that itself uh, either we perceive to be agonizing for those accused and, you know, subject to the state bringing charges and putting the evidence forward and so on and so forth. And presumably the victim's families having the chance to testify in some form or another, whether in court or outside of court, about how terrible this crime was. Uh, But also uh, the, the, the kind of prurian interest revenge uh, of just you know seeing this real life you know reality drama uh play out with all of the features that certainly the media was drawn to, and that I think whether people are eager to admit it or not that that are you know part of what be, has become kind of the the daily bread certainly of the the pundit circle and the twenty uh, four hour news stations and yeah. I will candidly say that I think part of my pleasure in, in first reaction is based in part in the assumption, which I think is not that misguided, that all of that stuff, whether it's the emotion of revenge or just the, the, maybe more fundamentally the furry interest that these kinds of cases produce, really deserves broader criminal justice interest, whether you're interested in results or process. That that the media, uh, for a variety of perhaps unavoidable reasons, though, pre presents an extraordinarily skewed vision of our justice system. And that, um, you know, in another kind of weird way, a result that I like is that we're not going to have this media spectacle around a case that, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, may justify some attention, but in my perspective, doesn't sort of justify or particularly doesn't serve society well to to give it an excessive amount of attention compared to a variety of other Kind of daily bread injustices that that um, you know many people very familiar with the criminal justice system know of well, but that not only fight for attention, but often get eclipsed in the public's minds because cases like this capture the imagination for reasons that really aren't fundamental to crime and justice issues.
3: Well, the family of the, the the family of the murdered woman Jalissa Brisman has said so far that they the news of Markov's death felt like a double wound, and there have been some people that have written some suggestions that Markov be tried in absentia, saying well, that under our justice system he would have sat there anyway and not testified. So why can't we have a trial uh, to get all of this out and get the family some closure?
0: Yeah, I mean Ellie, that, that's t- that's a really Bad idea, I think. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) for lack of a better word, I mean, we don't, phrase I should say, we don't really want to have show trials. Um, And certainly the the point, I mean, I think, and this goes to the professor's point, the the point of the system is not for revenge, is not for a cathartic expression of, you know, uh, uh, of of our feelings. It's to determine guilt or innocence. Um, And one of the, one of the interesting, I think, aspects about this is that Markov's suicide has kind of taken his guilt off the table. Um, his, his potential guilt off the table. The, the mountain of evidence that has already been leaked in the press has kind of taken his guilt off the table. If we're all so sure that this man was guilty, then why were we going to have a trial at all? And um, you can't plead guilty to first degree murder in Massachusetts. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Although I will say, I mean, I, I think I disagree with the instinct that uh, we don't have trials for show trial purposes, or put it differently, uh, I think it's absolutely right that uh, it would be a bad idea in a case of this nature to uh, try to give the victim some closure, believing that having a show trial would somehow kind of magically do that. And then again, I particularly think that would be a poor use of resources uh, for a host of reasons, including that it would even aggravate the, the kind of PR discussion here. But yeah. I will say, and I think this is itself, you know, Kind of a part of my deeper concern about the way in which that which is high profile uh distorts uh, our understanding of the criminal justice system writ large and all of the aspects of it that are important. um you know most cases that go to trial for one reason or another end up being show trials, whether intended to or not, and certainly uh, that's true when we're talking about high profile crimes and or high profile defendants, you know whether we're talking markov. Blagojevich, or you know, Skilling, and and so on. Uh, the reality is, and I guess this is really what I was trying to get to at some level. I do think, uh, whether we'll admit it to ourselves or not, one of the reasons we are drawn to a procedural vision of justice is because it has a show element to it that we find important and satisfying beyond whether it gets the right result. Or put it differently given not just evidence of wrongful convictions, but lots of other aspects of the trial, which many people understandably complain, doesn't always emphasize factual truth over other procedural commitments, right? This is itself part of the criticism of the exclusionary rule, for example, uh, that it puts getting the right outcome behind other procedural concerns, uh, that we need to, at some level, concede that all trials have a show trial element to it, and then the question becomes: Well, how much should that be a point of emphasis or a point of pride, as opposed to something we're just kind of admitting to, but somewhat embarrassed by?
3: Well, gentlemen, we need to take, uh, gentlemen and ladies, we need to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be back. We'll hear more from Professor Doug Berman from Moritz College of Law at Ohio State University, and Leslie Walker, Executive Director of Prisoners Legal Services in Boston, and Ellie Mistel, the Attorney and Editor of Above the Law from New York. We'll be right back.
1: Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com slash legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC.
6: Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an Internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with CLIO. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount.
1: Engage your brain. Keep up with the fast pace of the legal perfection. Go to legaltalknetwork.com and listen to all of our great legal podcasts. They're free.
0: It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not?
6: I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center.
0: Oh, yeah. I need to do that too. Where
6: do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegaledCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE.
1: That's
0: perfect. The office can wait.
2: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Uh this is Bob Ambrogi. Uh my co-host Jay Craig Williams and I are talking about uh uh the Philip Markov case with our guest Leslie Walker of Prisoners Legal Services in Boston, Ellie Mastall of Above the Law and Doug Berman, uh, author of the Sentencing Law and Policy blog. And uh, uh I think it was before we st- we started recording that that uh I heard Leslie uh, mention that that suicides in prisons are increasingly common uh, if if I heard you right Leslie uh why is is this one getting so much attention and and what should prisons be doing uh to prevent this from happening
5: um I just want to be clear that I they they're increasing in the Massachusetts state prison system the Suffolk County jail run by Sheriff Cabral actually has a very good record a very low number of of suicides, although one is always a tragedy, but her numbers are are very low, um, which is commendable. The the misery factor is another um, discussion, but what should prisons be doing? Um, I'm concerned that the increases will be greater with the budget cuts, um, the lack of the Massachusetts legislature and many others to modify mandatory minimums, increases in overcrowding, Very few states are dealing with this effectively and well, and resources are spread more and more thin. I know the sheriffs in Massachusetts had another cut this year in their budget. Um, There are many things that can be done, however, um, that don't cost money. Um, There's some wonderful experts, uh, Mr. Lindsay Hayes, who happens to live in Massachusetts, but who works out of D.C. as a suicide prevention expert for prisons and makes very solid, hard-hitting recommendations that have saved hundreds of lives, uh, including... And perhaps most importantly, when someone says they're suicidal, if they're brave enough or scared enough to say so, um, they're not placed, um, um, in a cell, a strip cell with nothing, no property, um, no books, no photographs of family, um, and with uh, the only clothing being a special smock that they cannot tear and be left there, um, with a daily visit from a psychologist or a social worker who says, and how are you now? Um, so that after a few days, anyone would say, great. Ready to go back to my cell where often they self-harm and, and kill themselves. So there are many things that can be done that are not expensive, um, but people have to be open and willing to change, which is difficult in a very punitive um, paramilitary system.
2: Well, Ellie, Ellie, what's your take on that? I mean, why, why is this is it, this one getting all the attention? Because this was a a white Boston University medical school student. It doesn't doesn't fit the mold, perhaps for for what we think a killer looks like. What's what's the issue here?
0: Well, I think this is getting a lot of attention uh, because of the social media aspect of it. Um, uh, The the fact that he he found uh, his victim, um, uh, at least one of his victims, through the the structures of the Internet and and through a service. I mean, a lot of people don't want to admit uh, kind of trolling Craigslist looking for for this kind of stuff. But that people do it is undeniable. Um, And that an increasing amount of of young people do it is undeniable. And I think that because this became a a, a way for him to to find targets um, makes the kind of horror of the crime I think a more real thing for let 's say average middle class twenty three year old um, than some other some of the other you know horrors and murders that happen every day. Um, the suicide itself becomes more interesting in this context where people are already aware. I mean, we can call him the Craigslist killer. People are already aware of of who he is. The suicide itself becomes more interesting, I think, in in, in the sense of of what Professor Berman pointed out, this kind of sense of whether, is is this maybe, you know, Leslie was just talking about prison overcrowding. Is this maybe part of a solution? Uh, In the days since the suicide, I've heard people uh, suggest perhaps that the state should maybe offer a kind of prisoner euthanasia um, option uh, uh, in, in this situation, so so it, it it touches on a lot of different different hot button issues.
4: And I, I would add the reality, and it was itself part of what drove me to the case, and I think makes the timing especially well as too is given that this happened while he was still accused; he had not gone through the process of a trial yet. Uh, as mentioned before, kind of the evidence seemed to be out there so that we could, you know, kind of have a, at least belief in a resolution of his guilt that, that again, this is the irony that was mentioned before as well. Maybe the only thing the trial would have been for is for a show trial. Uh, and I do think, you know, that certainly adds to an ability to have certain kinds of conversations about this. It's really interesting to imagine um, if there was a a really vocal sentiment that he may, in fact, have been innocent or at least significant reason to believe that the suicide was not a product of, you know, either a guilty mind or a, a diseased mind, but rather, my God, I've been wrongfully accused of this and I have no faith in the justice system uh, to get me vindicated. So I'm going to just check out you know, on my own. Uh, I think that would itself change the dynamics of the conversation. And I think it even more important why some of the points that Leslie was emphasizing uh, I think that's exactly scenario. true, and I think that
0: that would require a lot more focus on the Massachusetts prison system than 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 they've gotten uh, in this in this environment. I mean, if, uh, the the thought of a of a potentially innocent man, um, as you say, uh, losing you know committing suicide not because he feels guilty but because he has lost all hope, um, because he is mentally deranged. Two things that might well be part of, of Markov's suicide. Um, I think we get a lot more attention if. We weren't, again, societally speaking through the media, so pretty much sure that he did it.
3: Well, Leslie, let's let's take a look and kind of turn this around from the victim standpoint, and perhaps even to the benefit of those who, you know, advertise some services on Craigslist or other um, social media type uh, facilities. What should people be doing to protect themselves against the Markovs of the world? What 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 do people do?
5: Have a- I am ill-equipped to answer that question. (laughs) Um, What do people do? I think they're extremely careful. Buying furniture on Craigslist is one thing. Um, Young folks, you know, kids my kids' age and their 20s, choose roommates based on Craigslist, and I'm often nervous about that as well. But people have to have um, a good sense of of people and of themselves and um, be willing to take enormous risks to do more than... Buy furniture um, from a a site like that. It's a it's a very scary.
0: Even furniture place purchases to play. can be can be dangerous. Uh, as you know, I, I I I was was contemplating selling some of my stuff, and then I decided I was going to put an ad on Craigslist. And I decided that you know, and I'm in a relatively public position on the bouvoir I I didn't really want people knowing my address. I thought that <laughs> yeah. that, that overall that wasn't going to be a high value proposition for myself. <laughs> So I think that you know one of the one of the things that people were saying about Markov um, even uh, before all this happened, but after he was arrested, was that great? You've ruined Craigslist. And I think there is a sense that at some point, and we don't know how that's going to look, but at some point, there's going to have to be some kind of regulation of this of this medium of this of this medium of uh, of meeting people, um, just because there 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 are significant dangers out there. Um, You know, we've reported on above the law cases where people have been raped because, you know, ex-boyfriends have put on uh, alluring ads on Craigslist listing the the victim's address and details and all that kind of stuff, saying that the victim wanted uh, some kind of crazy role-play sexual adventure. Um, So, there's a lot of Lot of crazy and <laughs> lurid and and uh, weird stuff going on on Craigslist, and at some point, as a society, we're going to have to come up with some kind of safety response to that.
3: Well, gentlemen and, and Leslie, we've reached the uh, end of our program, and so it's time to get uh, or to wrap up and get your final thoughts as well as your contact information. So, um, Leslie, let's start with you.
5: Sure. My final thoughts are that any prison suicide. Um, is a tragedy. Um, this is a person who was beloved by his family, who um, the other prisoners on the unit, I'm sure, are devastated um, by this kind of a, a loss and have many questions. Um, I am saddened by the reaction that this is uh, perhaps a cost-saving measure um, as a lawyer um, and as a person. <laughs> I prefer to go through legal channels and have them play out as they will. Um, and I think agreeing with one of your your other uh, participants that the reason this has gotten such publicity is because unlike most people in prison who are poor and many of whom have uh, brown skin, this is a this was a boy next door, uh, blonde hair, blue eyed um, local hero. Um and it scares people to death. but They actually, unlike the brown skinned people in the urban areas that are accused of murder, they could actually meet someone like Philip Markov. Um, so that raises it. And my contact information is lwalker at plsma.org.
3: And Ellie, let's let's get your final thoughts and your contact information, if you would, please.
0: I I guess I, I guess my, my, my overall thought here is that if if we are not satisfied with this outcome then haven't we at some level really cut the moral legs out from under the death penalty argument. Um, if, we're, if we're kind of... See, if, we're, if we're sitting in a situation where we're saying that, you know, a criminal, a person that we all think is guilty has now died, receiving the ultimate, you know, punishment, if you will, um, yet that alone is not enough, can we at least start to to detach the the procedural um, kind of effects and, and reasons why we may or may not want a death penalty from the moral effects? Because we can kind of see that the moral... Um, underpinning of the death penalty maybe isn't as valid as we tend to think. Um, yeah, so that's my, my my kind of overall thought about uh, this case. Um, my contact, um, if anybody wants to reach me, the best place is tips, T-I-P-S, at com. We read all those emails.
3: And Doug? Uh,
4: well, my final comment is just uh, how pleased I am, uh, not that Markoff committed suicide, but that uh, the opportunity to discuss these issues has enabled us, Uh, to move forward in a thoughtful and and dynamic way on a number of critically important issues that not just uh, the background of the crimes and and then uh, Markov suicide creates, but also on broader issues about jail conditions and um, social justice uh, and inequalities. And that I would encourage folks to, to in particular, uh, both uh, feel through as much as they can their emotions or feelings when there's a high-profile case of this nature, uh, and then also to, to take the time to reflect on what we can learn from that. You know, whether it's uh, learning about the challenges of jail conditions, whether it's learning about uh, what really the death penalty is doing for us in society, or just learning about how, uh, despite literally thousands of years of debate over theories of punishment and the process of justice, we have a lot of unanswered questions that um, hopefully I can at least scratch the surface of effectively on sentencing law and policy and that uh, there's value, even if it makes us uncomfortable in probing these issues, uh, even in settings that I think everybody would agree, um, starts with sadness at the very outset that there's the kind of crime that led to this case and then the kinds of situations that then played out. Anyone interested in talking about any of this or in particular with uh, other cases that they think uh, develop these sets of issues effectively that I could then go and blog about should send me email at sentencinglaw, all one word, at gmail.com, that's sentencinglaw at gmail.com, or just stop on by Sentencing Law and Policy, at the blog, and uh, comment there and uh, continue the conversation going.
2: Well, thanks to everybody. I guess I, I, I guess that means Ellie's not going to give us his home address today. Uh, but, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to be with us on the show. And it was a really, really
3: fascinating discussion. And uh, many thanks.
5: Thank, thank, you. thank you, you for having,
3: having us. us. Well, Bob, that does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. For our listeners, remember, you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com.
2: And uh, also a reminder that If you would like to get CLE credit for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, you can do that by going to LegalTalkNetwork.com and clicking on the West Legal Ed Center button there.
3: And you can find all of our Legal Talk Network shows on iTunes. We'll be back next week to discuss another great legal topic. So when you want legal, think Lawyer to Lawyer. We'll see you soon. See you then.
1: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. It's officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and Jake Craig Williams. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network.